Hello and welcome to the Daddy Saturday podcast. I'm your host, Justin Batts. I'm also the founder and chief dad officer of Daddy Saturday and the Daddy Saturday Foundation, where it is our goal to impact 10 million fathers in the next 10 years and to end the fatherlessness epidemic. We do that by providing great insight, advice, and practical solutions to help dads activate and engage with their kids to raise good kids that become great adults. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast every week so you can make sure you hear the next amazing guests that we have on. The guests on this podcast provide tips, tricks, even dad hacks to help you be a better father and raise those good kids that can become great adults. We've got an expert on today to talk to you. This is someone who has shaped the lives of many business owners over the years. He's shaped the lives of his own children, and he's also impacted me and my children directly and contributed significantly to the Daddy Saturday platform as well as the book through something he did with his kids in his past. Uh, Dean Akers is our guest today, and Dean, in his professional life, has been helping companies grow to their full potential for more than 40 years. Dean has been a CEO himself, and now he helps many other companies as an adjunct CEO. And that all started when his wife, when Dean semi-retired and basically said, look, um, for better or worse, I married you for more than just lunch. So get out there and go do something. Dean, I love that. And Dean is, is a prolific podcast host as well as has his own radio show. And he's just a phenomenal guy, a phenomenal coach, and someone that I am honored to know and honored to have on the show today. So Dean, welcome to the Daddy Saturday Podcast. Well, Justin, thank you so much. I mean, it, it, it's pretty cool how you and I met through a business relationship and it's kind of flourished it's flourished to this with your passion with your children and the daddy saturday is so awesome and and i'm a i'm a proponent of 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 our futures in our kids and the better prepared we make them as decision makers and and passions they can follow the better it's going to be for our our future for sure well thank you dean and and it, it isn't easy right we're raising kids in a society today that is much different than it was before and i know your kids are are older now um, and I'd love to talk about some of the things that you found were successes or maybe things you wish you would have done differently as they were growing up. But before we dive into that, why don't you just give us a state of the union of your, your family today and just give everyone a, a quick overview. Well, I have, uh, I'm blessed to have five sons, uh, age 36 to 22. Um, the first three were bang, bang, bang. And then my wife and I uh, had a sabbatical for about eight years, and uh, I don't know if this is appropriate, but it's sort of a fact. Uh, we found out the diaphragm doesn't work in a bathroom drawer, and we had four or five. <laughs> and so that was a blessing because we only thought we wanted uh, three kids, but now we had five. And so I've got five sons that I'm I'm really tight with. As a matter of fact, I'm really happy to share with you, as I've shared before, those five are my best friends. They're like my best friends. Like there's no other people that are better friends than they are to me. That's amazing. So I got to unpack that a little bit because clearly that just didn't happen overnight, right? That was something that you've grown into. So was that a mindset, something you always envisioned that your kids would be best friends? Or was that something that just emerged as they got older and, and you you walked into that? Well, I think it's a bloom of a number of things. Uh, you know, when we were raising them, uh, I went through a, a divorce a number of years ago with my wife or whatever, and that's a whole nother show in itself. And she and I are, are good 
good together. Uh, she's an awesome woman, awesome mother. And uh, one of the things I found is that we parented as divorced parents for the good of the children versus so many people I meet today, they're angsting about each other in the divorce and it screws the kids up. And then the craziest thing that when I share this with a lot of my uh, kids I work with down here and their parents that ask me just, you know, what do I do? My kid's doing this. Just you and I haven't even talked about this. I had a no rule environment. Did you hear that? No rules. Tell me more no about rule. that. So, so everybody has rules and I meet guys today. They go, you know what? My kid's doing this and this and this and this. And I go, shut up. And they go, well, it's just not right. I said, I grew up with you. You did the same thing. You know, don't be judgmental. Now, what you want your kids to do is not make a bad decision that could hurt them. And they're going to make some that are bad. You just hope it doesn't hurt them. Well, here's where the no rule came about. I sat down and I said, how do parents tell their kids not to break rules? And then they do it immediately themselves five minutes later when they get in their car and they go 60 in a 55 zone. They're breaking a law. Every day we get out of bed and we teach our kids how to break the law, but it's okay because it's not really, really broke. It's just our level of breaking it. And then we tell our kids that they need to mind our rules in our house. Does that, does that resonate at all? Oh, it resonates completely. And, and I have this whole mindset right now that I'm walking through and trying to help my kids experience as consequences on their own. Because to your point, that's life, right? If you break the rules, there's a consequence. Um, th that can be the rule of the family. That can be the rule of, of nature. It can be the rule of society. But, you know, there, there are consequences to our actions. And, and our kids need to understand that. So here's where I spent time uh, with my kids. And I'm proud to say all my kids, including down to my 22-year-old, had six-figure income years. Not that income matters, but I think it's somewhat of a measurement of your successes as you grow out older. Um, we didn't, I didn't teach my kids about rules. I spent all my time teaching my kids how to make decisions. That's right. And, and, and I used to sit there and go, guys, there's going to come that time where you're going to have a foggy decision to make. And here's your daddy's, here's Mr. Dean. I always call myself Mr. Dean. Here's Mr. Dean's rule. If there's no upside to the decision, don't do it. And sometimes you might, when you're in your later years, might be having a drink or two, and all of a sudden that decision thinks, you know, you see a marginal upside. Reevaluate, don't do it. Well, what that does is when they're kids, is you get them to think about what's the rep, the, 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 the result of the decision versus the breaking of the rule. And I got to tell you, my kids would tell you today, that teaching them the decision-making process has made them more successful both in their careers, their personal life, and their interactions with others. Because now when they're with somebody, they're not talking about, hey, you know, let's not do that. It's not right. My parents didn't say to do that. No, that wasn't a good decision, period. <laughs> yeah, I love the critical thinking process that you put your kids through and helping them understand and evaluate the decision before they made it. And I think that's that's key because they're looking at what are the consequences or if there's no upside, then why am I doing this? And so especially with five boys, Dean, right? Boys have a tendency to be impulsive and a little more rambunctious and to make some of those split decisions. So that, that had to have been very important in their growth. 
And another thing I think, Justin, that might help your listeners out there is everybody's entitled to their own opinion. They're not entitled to their own facts. So I had on my radio show recently the CEO of the Girl Scouts of West Florida. And we were talking about her journey. And she shared her journey how when she was getting ready to get out of college, she went over to Europe and spent a year and a half in Europe just bumming around. And she, or whatever the time was. And she goes, oh, I would never let my daughter do that today. And I looked at her and I go, why? She goes, oh, it's way worse now. And I go, do you know what the stats are for murder? Do you know what the stats are for the irony of it? When she did the deep dive, guess what it is in Europe today for a young girl? Low. Safer. Yeah. It's safer. It's safer than it was when she was back there. 25 years ago, statistically. Why is she so fearful today for her daughter, who she found that as one of her highlights of her life and her maturation? She's fearful because she's not dealing with the facts. She's seeing something on social media. She's watching how many news sources do we have today versus 30 years ago? It's out of control. Right. So here's my question to the fathers out there. When you're dealing with your kids, A, ask if you've ever been in that position. B, try to frame out how you would respond. And C, look at the magnitude of the impacts. And I tell you what, our kids are really good. I mean, we've got, I think the number's four times the college graduates versus the baby boomers. I mean, there's just so many stats out there for the, for our that generation coming up now, your kids and certainly my kids are a little older, and it's so exciting right now, and it's all about teaching them decision-making. So, Dean, you know, you, you've, um, you've given us some great insights into some of the, the recipe for what you did in bringing them up, and I know another piece of this that I, I really want to talk about that you helped me with my own children, we put in the book, that was a big part of how you raised your kids was this concept of traveling one-on-one with your kids at 10, 13, and 16 years old. Will you tell us about how you came to, to think of that and, and why you did that and what the result of, of implementing that with your kids was? Well, the, the, the basis of it is, is I've always found that people perform the best when they're following their passion, something they really like. What happens is we're we're typically told you can't follow that because it's not a, a real job or, you know, you need to go get a real job. Well, when my kids were young, I would sit with them and ask them what their passion was. And I think I shared with you, one of my son's passion was, was custom cars. He made these little car models. He just loved custom cars. And I said, well, you want to go meet the best custom car people so you can learn more? And he goes, Oh dad, I want to learn more. So when he was 10 or 11 years old, however old, he and I flew to California and I asked him, I said, find out who the best custom car people are on the planet. So he, this is really pre Google and everything. He found out it was West coast Com- customs because they had a show called pimp my ride. <laughs> now I had no clue who they were. So I bought a ticket to, to Los Angeles. We flew out there. We rented a Sebring convertible old Chrysler car, got in there with the top down and we proceeded to the address in East LA if any of your listeners are out there and they know what East LA is, you don't even go in there with a tank, you know? So we're in the baddest part of LA. We pull up this building. It's all graffitied up. 
And I walk up to the door. I says, is this it? And he goes, yeah. We walk up to the door and I open the door and walk in. And these two guys come up to me and say, what are you doing here? I said, well, this is my son, Dustin. His passion is custom cars. And he said, y'all are the best on the planet. So we just came out to introduce ourselves and see what's up. And the guy looked at us like, well, you're crazy. And told us, you need to get out of here. And so we walked outside and he said, you can look at the cars out here on the street. And there were a bunch of Lamborghinis, all kinds of cool cars. So we're sitting there, a lady pulls up, gets out of a cab. I don't know what she was doing there because she was an older than me. And, and I asked her and she goes, well, I'm here to see West Coast Custom. And she asked me why I was here. And I told her my daddy trip story, how I take my sons on a trip. And my trip was with my son because his passion was custom cars. And he said, these guys were the best. And she looked at me, Justin, she looked at me and she goes, you brought your kid to California to meet these people with no appointment because your kid's passion's custom cars. And, and he said they were the best and you took him where he could be amongst the best. I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, that's insane. Let's go in. Well, she was senior vice president of Hot Wheels Cars. She was the biggest customer of West Coast Customs. So she walks us in. Now she introduces us to everybody. We spent all day there. We want, we were got to be not in, but while they did their show, Pimp My Ride, we met all the act, you know, the players in it. We spent the full day. Next day, she gave us tickets to the Staples Center for the International Dub Show, and then took us backstage for one on one with Snoop Dogg. Now, do you think my son will ever forget that trip? No way. And, and, and today, he just was awarded a Fast 56 growing company in Tampa Bay, and he does nothing but sells custom auto parts for Mini Coopers and BMWs all over the world. Unbelievable. And, you know, Dean, you told me that story, and, like, I still get chills every time I hear it, and it's the second time I've heard it, and I'll never forget that. That story moved me so much that – I said, I got to do this with my children. And there's so much that we could unpack about that whole trip and that process. But what I love the most, what I love the most is the fact that you were just intentional and you just, you did it, Dean. You just went for it. And then guess what happened? It became epic because you put yourself in the situation for it to become epic. And that's the principle that I want all dads to hear doesn't matter that that you can't afford to fly to LA or do all of that kind of stuff. That doesn't matter. It's putting yourself in a situation by being intentional and allowing it to be epic because you've done something to support your child and their passion. Oh, you're you're totally spot on. It is not about going across country. I can share with you one of the other things that are involved in this, and I do it today, and I coach parents and stuff because I deal with a lot of transitioning young people and stuff. And my, back to my kind of no rules. When I go on these trips, my kids never knew, but the word no doesn't, isn't in my vocabulary. And the reason it's not in my vocabulary, most parents are always worried about educating their kids about every stupid mistake they made. Like, oh, okay, if, you, if you're in their case about the stupid mistake you made 20 years ago, you think they're going to change or you think that's going to be some kind of godsend that makes them make a great decision not necessarily when they trust you when your kids trust you and you're not always like on these trips going oh son put that back you're not you know if you eat sugar you'll blah 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 you know what happens is the kids are like 
really, really. They don't say that to you, but then you're, you're being that overbearing parent and you're not engaging your kid to help develop them. And I, and I'm, so I speak about that in the Tampa Bay area all the time. So Dean, you've got you've got two other stories and, and two of your other kids that that I'm aware of. I'd love you to share uh, with our listeners. The one is around your son who pursued his passion with amusement parks. Um, there's yep. there's so much there. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, my oldest son. So when he was a little kid, he always wanted to be. He went to he loved roller coasters. So when he got 14, we we got him a job at a local Bush Gardens, and he went on. Well, everybody told him well, you got to go, go to college and get a regular degree. And I looked at him, I said, why are you going to do that? Your passion's roller coasters, get a degree in roller coasters. So he goes to uh, a central Florida school uh, of hospitality, UCF. It's the largest hospitality school, I think in the world now, because it's sponsored by Disney and everything. He goes over, he totally embodies this whole degree. And then he and I took a trip to Europe to all the roller coaster manufacturers and just went, cold calling on them to meet roller coaster guys and he graduates and he gets a job working one place first but he's been with universal for a number of years which is the big theme park group now he's in beijing china as a senior director opening universal in beijing china and he opened up universal in singapore and i tell everybody i, I love to do this in front of ceo groups because they're all like oh the millennials they don't care and i go you know how hard he works Everybody goes, oh, he must really bust it. And I go, he's never worked a day in his life. That's right. And everybody looks at me like, what are you talking about? And I said, because he's following his passion. So here he is, a senior executive at 36 years old with a multi-billion dollar company. And he's never tried to get a raise, never tried to get an advancement. All he's doing is following his passion, which is theme parks. So, Dean, how... My question is that, and I'm, I'm sure it's a question for some of our listeners. How did you identify that that was their passion? What what were some of those indicators, or what bubbled up for you as the father to say, you know, this is their passion, and I want to help encourage that? Because I think that's a critical piece of this, and and one of the things that I value personally as a father is I feel like it's one of my most important responsibilities is identifying my kids' passion, helping them pursue that. So how did you do that? Shut up and listen. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. And when you think you shut up, shut up again and listen. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working with, I got to tell you, they will tell you their passion just by listening. I got these parents right now. I got one group of parents and they go, my kids, they don't get it. I go, what? All they play is Xbox. And, you know, they're going to get nowhere. I can't get them to do anything. That's all they just play Xbox. I go, do you realize that the fastest growing segment in sports is esports? What are you talking about? I said, there's guys making tens of millions of dollars playing whatever, you know, one of those games. And now Jeff Vinnick, our local owner of our hockey team and a big capital guy, you know, raises a you know, big private equity group. He's, he spoke recently and said, esports is going to displace regular sports within 15 to 20 years. They have more viewers. He was sharing they had 55 million viewers at a recent online game being played by gamers. Unbelievable. 
So picture the parents all like putting them back in their era where we didn't even have VHS, you know, and they're going, you better get from that behind there. And these kids are building a a skill that could be worth millions to them, just like the same kid that played football. The difference is they're probably not going to have injuries when they're 40. Don't you think, though, Dean, there's a, there's a fine line, too, because, you know, there's there's also a lot of kids that are just pure consumers. Right. So there's there's also the point where you have to be a creator or a curator at some form. Right. Or have to approach it like it's a business or like it's a future career. You can't just play video games all day just to play video games all day and purely be a consumer. Would you agree with that? Well, I, yes and no. I would say I've got two examples. I've got a, a couple of parents, they were angsting about their kids and similar to that, but not video. Okay, one was video and they were angsting about their kids, right? And they were, you know, they just aren't motivated, blah, 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 blah. So I sat down with one kid and we started really asking him questions and he was giving me all the standard answers. Well, yeah, I want to have, I have a job. I want to do this, this, this. Well, I said, what's your passion? And he goes, well, you're going to, you're going to laugh. The minute he tells me that, guess what I know? Where? Wh- what, do you think, you- what do you think I know? The minute the kid says, you're going to laugh at me, what do what do I know that bajanth of a second? Well, that he he's had no support from his parents. Right. He's already been laughed yeah. at. And he's sitting with this 67-year-old guy, so what's he thinking? You're going to be the same thing. Right. So I sat there and t- started talking to him. And he goes, he goes, it's skateboarding. I go, that's awesome. And see, all my kids skateboarded and stuff. We helped them. They went up to, you know, crazy camps. And I said, so tell me more about it. So he starts talking about it. I watch his face. Justin, I watch his face light up. And so we're, he's lit up. We're having this big conversation. I go, then why don't you do it? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, let's build out your passion. And so we set up an Instagram account. And he calls it the inner circle culture because he, he defined what his skateboarding buddies are like. I said, I want a mission on what that looks like. He decided, he goes, responsibility, financial, and purpose. This is a freaking 20-year-old kid. So now he has an Instagram site, gets thousands of video downloads or, you know, views. He's growing out his brand. In less than six weeks, he has 600 followers He's, he's, he's selling product now, shoes and boards. And the kid is, his parents go, oh my God, I've never seen him this energized. Then I got another kid, this other kid, he, he, he's, he had breakfast with me, his parents, everybody beating him up. He does movie reviews, but he does art and does the movie review while he draws his art in slow motion and has a small little YouTube channel. So now we got him doing it. We're about ready to launch him to, to real movie critics. These things are epic. He does this art while he reviews a movie of the movie. And it's a movie sheet, you know, like at the front of a movie, all in color. So now he's selling his art. He's got this follower group. He does these movies, loves it. It's his passion. And the kid's on fire. He's on fire. But his parents account it. You think they think he's crazy? Sure, they do. But, you know, both of those cases, you know, again, you you clearly displayed that they're creating, they're curating, right? They're not just purely consuming. He's not just watching movies. He's turned it into an opportunity. And, and that's that's what I was hoping you would get at, because that's where so many parents 
they they don't understand their kids or they see it as the kids wasting time or not doing anything with their life. Yet all they have to do is say, how do you tap into that passion and turn it into an opportunity? You just broke the code, my friend. You just broke the code. If you want happy, productive kids, kids that are going to be successful financially, successful emotionally, kids that are going to add back to our economy, just turn them on to their passion and help them help them figure out how to monetize their passion. And that they will come up with stuff that is outside of our thinking. Amazing. I, so, Dean, you know, I've got four kids, 11, 9, 7, and 5. And one of the things that um, we did this summer to try and break that code, because I want my kids to be on the other side of that equation. And they haven't, you know, at this age, they're starting to still learn and identify what their passions are. But one of the things that I wanted to do was give them some framework so that when they do identify their passion, they know how they can monetize that and turn it into something more. So they've all started online businesses this summer. And, you know, it ranges in terms of the sophistication. Clearly the five-year-olds is less sophisticated than the 11-year-olds, but they've all got that framework. And some of it applies to their passion today. Some of it may not, but they've got that foundation. So, you know, I think that is so important for our listeners just to understand that as parents, shut up and listen. (laughs) I love it. Keep it simple. Just listen to your kids and that passion will come out when you have that dialogue and when you create those moments to engage in that dialogue. And, you know, Dean, that's the one thing that I'm so thankful for for you that you gave me when I took my daughter on our first one-on-one trip was it created the margin in life to get out of our normal rhythm for me to have that interaction, to really listen to her. And I uncovered so many things that I've just missed in the day to day. And it's caused me now to be much more conscious in the day to day to listen and to be observant and to pick up on those, those moments that she, she gives. Okay. I want to give your listeners one tip that works with all my sales ninjas, my leader ninjas and my parent ninjas. You want to hear it? Ask an open-ended question and then shut (laughs) up. And shut up means zero, uh uh-huh, yeah, great, whatever, and click your toe 10 times. And then this is where the power comes. And my team's learned this. It's it's stupid. It should be illegal. It's so stupid. So you click your toes 10 seconds. You never make 10 seconds. They'll start talking. But here's the real take home. When they shut up, now you have not said anything, Justin. You haven't gone, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's awesome. You shut up. You don't say a word. You just look at them. When they stop, tap the toe in your shoe five more times before you say anything. That's when the magic happens. Because what happens, and it happens in sales too, when you when they finish and you sh- stay shut up, you don't go, wow, that's awesome. I agree. You shut up and you tap your toe five t- seconds. You can't even get to about tap two or three. And now they do what I call shift gears. Now your kids really start coming clean with everything. And now you stay shut up. And after that dialogue of 10 or 15 minutes, your life will change. Unbelievable. So I hope our, our listeners wrote that down. Uh, that is a tweetable comment and unbelievable information, Dean. So valuable. Thank you. I could talk to you all day about this topic and you clearly 
are a parent ninja and you're training parent ninjas. And I thank you for helping me be more of a parent ninja. So I've got two final questions for you in our remaining time together. One is more of a fun question and you're down there in the Tampa Bay area. So I don't know, maybe you have had or, or have a, a large boat, but if you did have a large boat there in the Tampa Bay, uh, what would you name your boat, Dean? Well, I'd name my first boat, which was a 40 something foot sailboat. And it was named retire <laughs> and, and it was named retire. Uh, and it was my big boat that had a name on it. And, uh, and, and I named it retire because I was in the tire industry and I wanted to retire. So it was a big boat and everybody go, what's the name retire? Uh, you know, I don't know what I would name a boat today. My boats I've had have been in the 20 foot ranges now, so they don't have boat names, but that's an interesting question. Um, you know, my legacy is my five sons and, you know, I just, I, I, I pray and they all, I have four grandchildren now, which is a hoot. And, uh, you know, I think I I'm watching them develop with their kids and I see them kind of following this, this strategy thinking. So I'm proud of them. Well, you have a lot to be proud of Dean. And, uh, just thank you for all the wisdom and encouragement you've provided to me and now to our listeners. And so I'll ask you in the final question, then, is there one thing, one final comment or one final point you'd love to leave the fathers listening with? Being a parent, being a parent doesn't mean that you have to try to keep your children from making every mistake you made. Being a parent is listening. Being a parent is mentoring. Being a parent is helping your child develop. And if you help your child develop, they will be grateful for you for life. You'll make a, a productive child or citizen out there. And to the point that I can say to most of my friends that have done this, you'll have kids that will never work a day in their life and, and, and be highly successful financially, but most importantly, high, highly successful uh, uh, parents and, and uh, just people in general with their peers. Thank you, Dean. I, I know our listeners are going to get so much out of this. There's so much value in your words and your wisdom. And clearly in the results, you have five incredible good kids that turned into great adults. So with that, I want to say thank you for listening and joining the Daddy Saturday podcast. And as always, be intentional, be engaged, raise good kids that become great adults and have a great Daddy Saturday. Until next time.